Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Pass deflected by Conley, picked up by Ingles. Jazz on the run. Ingles goes to the left side. Clarkson's wide open, left corner pocket, nailed it. Jordan Clarkson's five of seven from three. Right form and left side. Takes a step back three and hits. 21st of the game for the Jazz. Sets their franchise record for most threes in regulation. Trey Burke to the front court. He's got 14 points. Swings it to Hardaway. He's got 27. Picked up by Oni. Back to Burke off a Kleber pick. Kicks to the corner to Curry. The best shooter on the team. And he hits. 31 to 11. Fourth quarter by the Mavericks. Utah Jazz had a big lead evaporate. Mavericks rally to win 122-114. Oklahoma City lost to Phoenix at the t- same time. Jazz are still in sixth place in the West, a half game behind the Thunder. PK watching that game, it felt a little bit preseason the way they played 13 guys, 13 minutes, and then a little bit summer league just because the coaches are in polos and there's no crowd there. I don't know what that was, but it sure didn't feel like an NBA regular season game. Jazz will wrap up their seeding games Thursday. They take on the Spurs. That one's going to tip off at 4.30. Then we'll be on to the playoffs. Wouldn't be surprised to see that same summer league uh, preseason vibe going during that Spurs game. A little hard to believe the Jazz are going to go all in with starters and 30 minutes and all that kind of stuff. So get through this, get to the weekend, and start the playoffs. Yeah, most likely. That's the way it looks like it's going. A lot of teams are doing that. Oh, yeah. It's It's kind of weird. Yeah. It was uh, – I saw a discussion about it on Twitter, and uh, uh, Tony Jones must have been checking out both games at the same time. He's like, yeah, well, there's four teams playing right now, and three of them are doing this. You know, the starters checked out, played the backups, played the – I thought the one thing that happened during the Mavericks game was it looked like the Mavericks were kind of going with their bench, and the Jazz – for lack of a better word, we're going with the third team, kind of the uh, the guys who've been way down at the end of the bench, not playing, or had been, you know, two-way guys, G League guys. And there were a couple of quick timeouts by Dallas, and then they just started playing harder and almost felt like Rick Carlisle was like, you're getting beat by guys who weren't in the league. What kind of message does that send? Because Dallas just seemed to dial it up and get way more intense. And uh, they basically, the Jazz pulled all their guys at halftime. I know George Nang played like three or four minutes in the third quarter. And then all the rotation guys were done. And uh, it, But it still took about a quarter before Dallas really got fired up and went on a roll. And when they did, it was over. Yeah, I would agree with that. When you look at Dallas's second team, uh, most teams are deeper than the Jazz. The Jazz, after they get past seven and eight, uh, I'm hard-pressed to even know who they are, really, honestly. Uh, because they hardly ever play. They're playing now. But they hardly ever play in the regular season. I mean, Ed Davis hadn't played in over a month in uh, February and March. I mean, I know who he is because he's a veteran. That's why I know I know Ed Davis through other teams. But he's buried on Jazz. He's been buried on this one. And the Jazz, a lot of their guys, it just there was no point in paying attention to them because they weren't playing. And at least the Maverick guys. Their bench guys, I'm well aware of because they play. 
Jazz off today, off tomorrow. They haven't had a couple days off in a while, so you'd think they could come back with everybody for 30 minutes, but it just doesn't seem the way to <laughs> the way, way to bet that that's how it's going to play out Thursday. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Into AD with three, with two. Kuz to win it. Yes, sir! Kuzma, it's not official yet. Point yes, four remaining. <laughs> but Kuz drains it. Lakers beat the Nuggets. This one matters to the Jazz, or at least it matters to all the people who would like to see the Jazz play the Nuggets, that that's the best engin- best matchup to engineer, the best matchup for the first round. The Nuggets had a path to the uh, to the two-seed if they won out, which involved beating the Clippers head-to-head. But they lost to the Lakers, so that storyline fades away. Now they could still end up the four-seed if they lose their last two games, and the Rockets win their last two, but... Kyle Kuzma had a night shooting the ball, and after the game, LeBron James said, we don't win the title unless Kuzma plays well. Kind of addressing what you're talking about, PK. No matter how good two guys are, two guys aren't enough. Somebody else has got to play well. No, because you're asking LeBron and Anthony Davis to play at maximum. And by play well, we just mean make shots. That's that's what it boils down. That Play well in the NBA is code for making shots. He made that shot. I'm not sure how much Denver wanted to win. Jokic wasn't in at the end of the game. Uh, he was sitting over. You know, one of the things that I like about this thing in Orlando is I'm loving the spread out situation of the bench. Because the bench guys, whoever they may be, whether they're true bench guys or whether they're starters sitting on the bench, they become part of the show because they got moved to room to move. And they get up and they wave and they show emotion. They move forward. They dance a little, depending. It, it, it reminds me of when I worked for the Watchdog in the old days and would cover women's basketball, Elaine Elliott's team. I always liked covering women's basketball and looking at the bench players. The women on the bench would be just as excited as if they made the shots and the passes. And the men, it was about their playing time and what they're going to be able to do to get to the league. And, you know, they would show some emotion. But the women were always just so exuberant on the sidelines. And I always thought it was fun. And it was fun for me to cover those games because the ladies were so into it. And now that's what you're seeing because they got room to to stand up and move around. They're not blocking anybody's view. So I love it when they go to the bench because you see a lot of emotion when guys are playing well. You know, in the regular season, they'll try to show the bench, and sometimes they literally have to shoot through the backboard because they push the guys so far down that they're – because they're trying to create room for, you know, really expensive seats between the bench and the scorer's table. And so they're literally shooting through the backboard to see guys' faces. So you can't really see them. And they're certainly all scrunched together. Don't take any more space than the needed, right. guys, because we're selling everything to your left, your right, and right behind you. Yeah. It's fun to see, fun to watch. Suns blew out the Thunder, 128-101. Devin Booker, 35 points. Phoenix is 6-0. and You buying this that uh, Phoenix is... Uh, way improved and much better and can push for a playoff berth in the West or uh, this stuff is fool's gold. They've beaten some teams that, you know, don't really seem to be into it. Well, I think it's both. I don't mean this as a cop-out answer, but you know, they've beaten some teams that have played their guys and then they beat teams. I think uh, Butler didn't play for the Heat, so you got that going on. But just remember, the Bothias, the Bothias scoffed at me when I said Monty Williams was restart coach of the year. 
<laughs> I'm going to scoff again. Restart scoff. Restart sixth man? Restart MVP? <laughs> well, well, we'll have to figure that out. That remains to be seen. But I was an early phone. A lot of people can tell you what happened. I can tell you what's going to happen. And Monty Williams was restart coach of the year. And I told you really before they took off. And now they've taken off. I mean, you realize nobody, nobody in the NBA can say they haven't lost a game since March. Jimmy Butler returned to Miami's lineup. 19 points, 11 boards, 5 assists. The Heat crushed the Pacers 114-92. to Warren, who had been in the hunt... He had been in the hunt for restart MVP of the year. He's very, yeah. very quiet in this one, PK. He'd been uh, averaging like 35 points a game. I know. It's been sensational. Yeah. yeah. Led by his uh, 51. But TJ Warren, 12 points on 5 of 14 shooting. That didn't really well, have a Well, Victor goal. Oladipo said that TJ Warren was in another world. So eventually a player of the caliber of TJ Warren is going to literally come back down to earth. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Obviously, yeah, we, we, we played a lot of ball together. I love him to death, but you know, the train keeps moving, as it will when you know I'm not playing here or something. I mean, it just always keeps going. So you know, we got to worry about the people that we have here. You know, try to prepare ourselves uh, the best we can with uh, the situation that we're in with all uh, everything we're dealing with. That's Julian Edelman talking about Tom Brady. Basically, that was on to Cincinnati, PK. Better stay on the Belichick company line. Coach, here's all. Yeah, but I don't know what else you could say. I mean, he's so right. And I think that's what these college players are going to learn here as they're trying to throw their weight around a little bit there. Uh, it's going to go on with or without you. And that that's just a fact. And it, 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 Tom Brady... Um, you can argue had the greatest run with any single franchise in the history of NFL sport and the NFL. I mean, I, it's so obvious you can argue that, but it came to an end, and, and there's still games to be played. Whether these kids guys have opted out or not, it's unusual. I understand that, but eventually we'll get back to normal, and, and it does go on. And there'll be a guy who will take over for Belichick, for that matter, too. Edelman talking about Cam Newton in the same interview. He says, well, when you first meet him, it's just his stature talking about what's impressed. You know, he's large. He's put together well. He has a great energy about himself. I was really impressed with his work ethic and mindset. And, you know, for Cam Newton, he's just got to be dialed in now because, you know, you talk about risk reward, right? And it's there for everybody in the NFL for the reasons you just said, right? If you don't perform, man, the circus, they just find someone else to put in the center ring and the show just keeps going on. But for Cam Newton, it seems like that's really accentuated. Because on the one hand, he's got this 15-1 season, you know, that can never be taken away from him. The trip to the Super Bowl, the MVP, but he's also, he's been injured, hasn't been able to perform and deliver. And if you go into New England and you play for Belichick and you play well, hey, you're healthy. He can handle anything that's thrown at him. Belichick's so demanding. I mean, the upside is just huge for this guy. And at the same time, if it doesn't work for him, the downside is like, you couldn't even win for Belichick? Oh, dude. <laughs> you're no good. You're done. Yes, we'll see. 
Patriots keep adding free agents to their roster. They had eight players opt out. They find they uh, signed veteran running back Lamar Miller to a one-year deal. So can Bill Belichick just put in a bunch of no-name guys and replace guys who went off for big contracts and have had MVP seasons and all kinds of stuff? Just plug in anybody in the Belichick system. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. I'm just, just ready to have, have a great year and be a part of this team. We're super pumped. Um, I mean, like I said, me and Travis are definitely here. We're committed to playing. Once I decide I'm playing, that's, my mind's off of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like you, you said, people say I should sit out. And then after this past year, everyone's saying all the stuff I got to work on. So at, at some point, you got to make decisions for yourself. I'm just excited to play football. Trevor Lawrence, one of the players, and several coaches come out and said they want to play. And that, of course, you know, is a Clemson quarterback. You've got about as, uh, I don't know what, as big a, big a pedestal to stand on and, and talk as anybody in college football. And he wants to go, and you figure if he doesn't go, he'll still be the number one pick in the NFL draft. He wants to play. The Mountain West Conference is not going to play. They postponed the fall sports season, football, and everything else, too. Craig Thompson, who Yach has been chasing for a week and a half, Apparently not really doing media until this decision is made. We'll see if he'll do something now. Uh, He said, we were hopeful we could carefully and responsibly conduct competition as originally scheduled with essential protocols in place. However, numerous external factors and unknowns outside our control made this difficult decision necessary. Uh, The one exception to all of this is Air Force, who issued a statement and said, yeah, we're with the MWC, except when we're not with the MWC and we're with uh, Army and Navy. Commanders-in-Chief games, uh, they're still planning to play those, PK, which I guess means Navy's still planning to play, which means the BYU-Navy game would still be on, despite all these other games getting shut down. Obviously, the Cougars had three Mountain West games that are now gone. Yeah, well, I don't know why the Navy game with BYU wouldn't be on. What what has changed there that it would be off for Navy? I think just nothing, uh, because the AAC hasn't said anything yet. So, well, I think but I think forward. right, and I think even if the AAC does follow these leagues and shut down, Navy, I assume, would issue the same statement Air Force is, and that they're going to play. So I don't think even an AAC announcement would impact that game. A Mountain West impact, a Mountain West game impacts the uh, San Diego State, Boise State, USU games for BYU, but I don't think an AAC statement, if it comes. It hasn't yet, but if it does, I don't think that would impact BYU Navy. I thought they said they were they were moving on and they were going to go and try to play. Maybe I the latest from American is they're going to they're going to play. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought okay. I saw. Them so Conference USA Sunday. I saw the Conference USA. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I reached out to folks here locally. How does it pertain to the the local teams? And uh, I can tell you that BYU is it's not really breaking news. It's obvious news. They're moving on to the teams, to the conferences, to the games that they could possibly play. And they're trying still to the get Big a pace schedule. Yeah, well, now it's the AAC and the Sun Belt and the Big 12. Yeah. And, and who knows? Because, and you'll get to it here in a second, because I, I got the rundown list in front of me, too, is that when you can just do that, uh, I guess I can do it, to where uh, the Big 10 and Pac-12 are going to meet. But there were teams like uh, Nebraska coach Scott Frost that says where he intend to play. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State, if it has to go out of the conference. So BYU is looking at all those. I think there's going to be college football this year uh, and to one form or another. And then as far as the Utes are concerned, uh, yeah, they want to play. Uh, I was joking with some folks yesterday about, uh, hey, 
uh, let's go on vacation, and uh, they understand that uh, it's out of their control. They want to play, uh, but the, the league may – they're anticipating. I'll leave it. The, the impression I got is they're anticipating that the Pac-12 follows suit. And there's various reasons for it, and we can get into it. I was listening to Rick Neuheisel yesterday, and I was surveying uh, on my phone. I got the satellite radio, so I'm just buzzing all these different national shows on my phone to try to get as much information and opinion as possible. And, you know, now it's uh, they're concerned about a couple of things that we really didn't hit yesterday was uh, the... Uh, possibility of the effects on the heart Mm -hmm. that this thing can create. And I saw Riley Nelson's uh, younger brother. Oh, now you're concerned about the health? It's like I said yesterday. We already know it's a major health risk to play football. That is already a fact. This virus is nothing new here as far as a major health impact. And then there's also the thought, Neuheisel was discussing this at length, that uh, maybe these teams, these two conferences, the Pac-12 and the Big 12, or uh, Big Ten, that that's where players are looking to form some, I don't know if you call it a union, a quasi-union, and maybe this is their way out of it. And then the third thing is, well, go see who the governors are and which political party they belong to. And the teams with red, uh, they don't want to play, and the teams with uh, blue, they do. So those, those are just all sorts of stuff that was out there being discussed yesterday. Nebraska coach Scott Frost did say they're intending to play, and there was talk about, I don't even know if it was talk, speculation about them, you know, temporarily joining the yeah. Big 12. It seems like there's way too many contracts to be unwound to do that. Dennis yeah, Dodd tweeted this morning that their media rights are all held up by the Big yeah. Ten. I, uh, yeah. Playing basically is independence and just scheduling yeah. whoever you can, starting with the teams in your own league that play, you right. know, whether that's four, five, six, seven, whatever the number is of the Big Ten that decides to push forward. It was, Nebraska would be the exception, it was basically the better teams. You know, the noise was being made by Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Penn State, yeah. Uh, maybe Iowa and Nebraska. Well, and, it's the teams who have leverage, not just the, the it goes hand in hand. Yeah. Nobody cares what Indiana thinks. <laughs> Indiana Rutgers aren't driving this bus? <laughs> Sorry, Northwestern. Purdue, move over. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The 2-2 from Shreve to Cabrera. He reaches for one and hits in the air to deep left center field. Back on this one, McNeil to the warning track to the wall, and it is gone. That is hammered out to left field. No doubt about it. He's done it again. Big fly for Mike Trout, and the Angels are on top. Couple of home runs there. How about uh, that uh, Angels game? You just heard the Mike Trout home run there. That game, that was putting some runs on the board right there, PK. That game was taking forever. They were just scoring and scoring. And then started to speed up about the fifth inning. It ends up uh, a 10-9 win for the Angels over the Athletics. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, a lot of teams. Uh, Philly scored 13 runs. The Washington 6-16. Yeah. 12-8 in the Diamondbacks game over the Rockies. Diamond, freaking uh, Charlie Blackman sitting like 500. I mean, he's hitting 484. He's hitting four friggin' 84. Can you hit 400 in a 60-game season and it counts, or that just gets asterisk right away? Count it. 60-game season. Well, if you, 60, if you hit 400 in a 20-game season, that's impressive. Uh, so I wouldn't. it wouldn't count in the regular to Ted Williams, but... 
Nevertheless, he had four hits. He's hitting 484. And, you know, we're a good ways into this. So what have they played? 16 games. As I say, if you do that over 20 games, he's hitting four friggin' 84. That's amazing. Uh... Like you, I was flipping around to uh, national shows, uh, trying to hear what they were saying as all the college football stuff was uh, breaking late in the day and the speculation was running rampant. And one of them did a quick segment on baseball and just the teams, while, while some people are just crushing it, right? Aaron Judge is hitting home runs. You got people hitting 400. At the other end, you got teams that aren't even hitting 200. How does that happen? Just not... Not dialed in or too small a sample size. I mean, the Indians hitting 196. That's horrific. It is. Preliminary discussions about a bubble for the playoffs. Can they go to Southern California, put everybody in hotels, cut out travel days, try to isolate guys because they don't want a, uh, a Cardinal or Marlins situation in the playoffs with so much money at stake if those games didn't get played and a billion dollars in TV money on the line. You think they can pull that off? Uh, the, it, kind of, it wouldn't be so much Orlando. They wouldn't have everybody in one site. be a little more like what the NHL has done, dividing up in a couple cities. Yes, I think they can pull it off, yeah. Playoffs still about, uh, what, six, well, maybe seven weeks away. See if they can get that together. DJ and PK, What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Chris Solari covers Michigan State for the Detroit Free Press. He's been all over the Big Ten decisions and which schools might go and which aren't and which are saying they are but aren't. We'll talk with Chris coming up. And Steve Tate, former youth safety, joins us at 8.30. Stay with us. Let's go! The Big Show. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Today is a really rough day if you were hoping to see college football in the fall. Is this really about the best interests of the student-athletes? Or is this about certain conferences feeling as though they're going to lose money so it's not going to be worth it anyway? I think this is whatever conference passing off liability. I don't think this is in the best interest of the student-athletes. It's also a weird, twisted way at silencing speech. Players can't advocate for the things they're advocating for if the universities don't allow them to play. That's pathetic if that's true. It's a pretty easy way to eliminate their leverage, isn't it? Just by saying, well, we're not playing anyway. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. Chris Lari scheduled to join us in a few minutes. Covers Michigan State for the Detroit Free Press. PK, we have talked about this before. College football doesn't have a commissioner. There is no one to run it. And usually the commissioners try to get together and stay on the same page. But uh, it was pretty clear in yesterday's show that that wasn't happening. And uh, by this morning, it's really clear. They are just it's even clearer all, for you? All over the map. Uh, well, either they're going to play or they're not going to play. I mean, I, I mean, if that's all over the map. Well, if some play and some don't play, that would be all over the map. 
Will that, uh, how will that play out? Chris Solari joins us now. He covers Michigan State for the Detroit Free Press. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Chris, good morning. Good morning. It's been a crazy 48 hours. (laughs) It has. So, uh, how many curveballs have you seen? How many times have you thought you knew what was going on, but what was going on changed so dramatically that that didn't matter anymore? Well, and that's the big question. I mean, you know, you're hearing from different sides that, that things are changing. I mean, you know, it's, it seems pretty clear right now that there's, there's an ongoing battle between the academia side versus the athletic side and maybe with a little bit of influence from politics. Um, and when you start throwing that third element into the mix, uh, the political side, uh, especially during an election year, um, you know that things get things can be disrupted in a hurry. That becomes that becomes the proverbial stick in the spokes. Um, and and I think that you know in the sources that I've still talked to, um, you know, as of last night, the presidents still plan today to to cancel Big Ten fall sports now could that change yes of course that can change because as we've as we've seen and we should know in the last five months so many things can be fluid um a decision can be made and changed and i I go back to the mask situation you know there was a point in march where we were told no mask masks are are not going to help you well then the science came out a little later and said actually maybe it does prevent transmission so you know, you have to understand that, that, that things will and can change in a hurry um, based on, on an ever-evolving nature of the disease, but also in the ever-evolving nature of these conversations where, uh, and again, when you throw political sides into it, things will change in a hurry. So we saw big-name coaches and big-name programs across the conference come out and basically say they want to play. And Jim Harbaugh had all sorts of numbers that he was putting out there statistically regarding positive tests, and they were overwhelmingly in favor of playing. How much influence do you think that is going to have? Well, the question is, should it? Um, you know, should should a football coach be the one making this decision? Ultimately, no, that's, that shouldn't be involved. Everybody wants the athletics to play. Our end, the coaches, the players, we all want this. I mean, this is our livelihood, right? Um, but this is a moment where you have to kind of defer to the medical experts. And, and you know, you can look at things in a bubble like Harbaugh is at, and, and say, this is the Michigan model. We need to kind of look at this. We're doing great with, with all these things. But there's still a community at large. You know, you want to think that, that universities can operate on their own island. And in some ways, I, I think, most of those universities think they can operate on an island. But when you've got, I mean, we saw this here in, in East Lansing uh, over the course of the summer when a bar, uh, after the governor opened up bars, uh, there was no social distancing. And then there were, it ended up being, I think, over 200 cases out of that one bar that spread across the state from people coming, going. Um, this is a real factor. I mean, that, that should be a real factor because. You know, these athletes are going to be in places um, that, you know, you, you're not, you can't sequester them. This isn't the pros. That you, can't, you can hope that they make good decisions, but they're 18- to 23-year-old kids. They're not going to make good decisions. We know that. We've been 18- to 23-year-old kids making bad decisions. We've seen them when we were growing up. Um, you have to keep that in mind. So 
I talked to an infectious disease expert, Johns Hopkins, the other day, and that was something that he pointed out. It, the risk isn't so much competing. It's not so much a transmission in competing. It's are you bringing things in from the outside, from the community? Are you are you taking something from either being in a bar or a club or a, some sort of social environment and then bringing it back inside that team bubble? That's where the real risk is. So <clears throat> I was uh, listening to uh, Ian Fitzsimmons talk about the Big Ten. He works for ESPN Radio. He used to uh, be here in Salt Lake. And he said that talking to somebody in the Big Ten, he, he was building on what you were saying, and he said that they're listening to lawyers, and the commissioner is, you know, he's, he's got a legal background himself. He's a lawyer. And they're listening to the lawyers and the risk, and they're being told that if there is an outbreak, not only will your school get sued, but the whole conference will get sued. Whoever the opposing team happens to be will get sued. He was saying that it would go at the coaches personally. And so Harbaugh's right that his team hasn't had positives. But if you're worried, if you're in the conference and you're worried about the whole conference, you know, your guys will do all the right thing. But what about team X, Y, and Z over there, two states away, where their numbers might be way worse locally? Is there that level? Have you heard that level of fear? Because that is, um, you're worrying about everything at that point, which maybe is the thing to do, but you are worrying about everything. It's not just how well your team's following the rules. Right. And here's what we're talking about. We're talking about football, right? There are other sports. There, I mean, this isn't just a, a situation where you can cancel football. There are Title IX issues that come into play. So if you try to play football and shut down everything else, you're risking a Title IX lawsuit. Um, you know, you, you got to have women's sports. Does, does, does it come into play where, where you need an equitable number of women playing at the same time as the men? I mean, these are things that, you know, the last five months, it sure hasn't seemed like there's been much leadership or guidance from the NCAA level and, and really from the conference levels. And this is across the board. This isn't just uh, on the Big Ten. I think there's a lot of a lot of things that they, they still need to try and think through from a legal standpoint. Um, and then, you know, you, the travel situation is one thing. I mean, Michigan State has – they moved the Michigan game to uh, Ann Arbor, which is a, the shortest road trip in the Big Ten. It's about 60 miles. But Michigan State has to go to Nebraska, Iowa, Maryland, and Penn State. Think about the travel there. Think about wh- what directions you're going and how many states you have to cover to get there, how many states you have to – how you get there. I mean, you're you going to take charter flights. You're going to disinfect. Is, is a charter flight enough for a team? You scale back how many players you take and your traveling party. What about the hotels in, in these places? Do you know what the, sanity, the sanitation situation is there? And then – the other thing that in, in talking to uh, the doctor who, the, the, from Don's Hopkins, who's on the NCAA panel, um, what about the testing factor? That's a big thing, too. I mean, are you getting delayed test results, which Michigan State's dealt with that. I, I think a number of schools have dealt that. You've seen it in the, the Major League Baseball. Um, when you start testing guys multiple times a week, and again, you're, you're talking about testing football players at minimum twice and you know potentially more, right? Well, then you got to throw in the other fall sports if you're continuing to play. And that's, that's a lot of tests to try and get back in a hurry to make sure that those competitions are safe and that there isn't going to be a transmission risk. If there's a delay on that, what do you do then? I mean, there's, there's a lot of logistical issues that 
you know, if it goes just simply beyond, are they going to catch it on the field? When you say politics is getting involved, are you speaking specifically along party lines as in an election year as far as who they want to be president, or is it deeper than that? I think it's deeper than that, but running concurrent. I mean, I think that's a big thing. I mean, you saw, you know, I, you, know you look at, at President Trump's tweet yesterday about wanting college football, and then in the Big Ten you had uh, Anthony Gonzalez, the former Ohio State player, mm-hmm. Is a representative in Ohio. You had uh, Ben Sassy in Nebraska writing a letter that was going to be sent to the Big Ten. So, yeah, I mean, is it one along party lines? Probably to a certain extent, but I think there's also, you know, there's there's a faction of people that want their their constituents to know that we're fighting for college football. I think the coaches are among them, and I think the the politicians are among them. I think, you know, there's no secret that that there's a number of athletes who have entered the political realm that have very strong opinions on this as well. So so I think it's more than just – it's not just simply uh, are you red, are you blue, and how do you back this? I think there's a lot of factors that go into it with people who become, you know, moved on from the sporting world and want to make their voice heard. Joined right now by Chris Solari, covers Michigan State for the Detroit Free Press. So the Big Ten has gotten awfully big, 14 schools. Are there, I assume, there are some that are really driving the bus on this? Everyone doesn't have an equal voice, do they? And if so, who are the key players? That's the hard thing to kind of figure out here. I mean, you know, last time the Big Ten had to make a, a significant decision uh, at the presidential level, um, that was all the way back when they added Rutgers in Maryland, I think in 2014 or something like that. Um, and then generally, when you get to the, the Big Ten and, and sports issues, presidents will defer to their athletic directors. This is a different situation. Um, so Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, all three of those schools have new presidents from the last time there was a significant decision made. I, I, I know. I think there's a, a number of other schools that have, have had changes in leadership too. So it's kind of hard to see who is leading the boat. But I, I do think that you know when, when it comes down to it, you know who are going to be the biggest forces in the Big Ten: Ohio State, Michigan. Um, you know where does Nebraska rank in terms of, of clout? Because I mean, they're kind of still the new kid on the block in a lot of ways, but but they have the football prowess that, that goes along with it. So, you know, Minnesota and Northwestern, I mean, these, these are all institutions that that generally historically have been the guiding voices of the Big Ten. Um, you know, but it's hard to say right now because there has been such a vacuum of leadership and changes so much, so much at the top. Would the Big Ten try to spin off and say, hey, we'll just put it off and we'll try to play in the spring? Definitely can see that, um, and I've been told that from sources. On you know that that that's the option. To me, you know that that is from our sources. What we've heard and continue to hear as of even last night is that the president's plan to cancel today and and try to play again in the spring. Now, what's the realistic possibility of that? I mean, you know, Scott Frost talked about that yesterday. That it's, and and Urban Meyer talked about that about a month ago. That you know, from a physical standpoint, that's that's putting players in harm's way if you try and play a spring season and come back with a fall season you know uh to me i think you if you do that you have to kind of get creative there's no way you can run a full 13 game schedule and play bowl games and and conference championships and all of that uh in the spring uh from a physical health and, and safety standpoint beyond the virus 
uh, and then try and come back in August, you know, maybe four four months later, and and begin fall camp and hitting again. I mean, these players need rest and recovery time. I mean, that's you know, they might have off season workouts all year round, but but they're also not taking the, the the hit count is what Urban Meyer called it, and I think that he said I think his his uh, logic was a two thousand hit count for a season. Now you're going to try double that. You, I don't think that's doing anything to the safety and health and well-being of the athletes so but the the question remains you know will they try and just push the decision back uh a little bit to give themselves some wiggle room i think that's still in play as well do you think that the conference is uh i mean the whole expansion thing is relatively new are they tightly bound enough together that they can get a unanimous decision or no matter what they decide are there some teams that are going to go the same way? Whether what we saw kind of evolving Monday where, hey, four schools decide we're playing anyway, we'll just basically play as independents. Or could it go the other way where they vote to go ahead and play and four schools are like, nope, not happening. And even though they vote to play, only 10 teams do. Yeah, I mean, it's unprecedented. We really haven't seen that. I do think the one thing to keep in mind is you know, in looking back at the history of the Big Ten, how many schools have left the Big Ten even in this gigantic era of expansion? None. The last school to leave the Big Ten is the only school to leave the Big Ten, the University of Chicago. Teams want in. Schools want into the Big Ten from the academic standpoint. That's, again, where the presidents come into play. So the, the reverberations from Nebraska um, and Scott Frost and their university president almost in a lot of ways threatening the Big Ten um, – you know, to me, as I see that, I mean, you know, where where does Nebraska make up the money and revenue that they've picked up? The, the, the added checks that they get from the Big Ten Network, which are millions and millions of dollars. Um, you know, there's not a comparable right now. You know, the SEC Network is the only other comparable. And so if you go to the SEC, maybe that's a case. But, um, you know, there's a lot of money at stake. Um there's academic prestige of being in the Big Ten. That's a significant thing for, for the academians. Um, you know, and the research, that's another big component of it. So, you know, it, people love to talk about football conferences, but it, particularly with the Big Ten, there's a lot beyond just simply athletics that, that binds these two schools together. The new members, it'll be interesting to see because this is the first time they've been tested with this. Hey, how was Mel Tucker received uh, at Michigan State? They got to uh, give him all that money and one record, one season as a coach at Colorado, as a head coach anyway. What a crazy time, huh? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you talk about, I mean, first of all, it, it seems 100 lifetimes ago, by the way, um, even though it was in the middle of basketball season when Mark D'Antonio suddenly retired on February 4th and eight days later they hire Mel Tucker. I mean, you know, it's rare to see a, a Power 5 coach jump from one job to the next, uh, one school to the other uh, at that time of year. And then all of a sudden you're four days away from your spring practice and you get it canceled. But I, I think he built a buzz with the fan base, particularly early, because you know he's a little different kind of guy than Mark Antonio. He's a little more outgoing. He's, I, I, I said this before, I think there's a little more Tom Izzo to him than there is Mark Antonio. But yet we haven't seen the football side. There's an intensity to him that I think D'Antonio has on the football field and that Izzo has on the basketball court. Um, we're starting to see glimpses of that um, in clips from practice, and, and we saw that at Colorado as well. Um, but I think that you know, the hiatus that, that he's been put on really slowed down that initial buzz. Um, you know, his, his recruiting has been okay. I mean, you know, it's a tough, tough job to, 
to come to, uh, first of all, because you're battling now Notre Dame and Michigan and Penn State and Ohio State regionally uh, for these top kids. And uh, every, every recruit, I believe, that Mel Tucker's had uh, has landed so far has been a three-star kid, and they just lost a kid to Pitt last night. So, um, you know, the, the, the buzz is there, at least from the fan base side. From a recruit side, it's still working its way. But they also have to see something. They haven't even seen a practice. You know, I mean, Michigan State got to practice on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And those are the first three practices under Mel Tucker. That's hard That's hard for anybody, let alone a new coach. Well, Chris, we appreciate the time and all the info. Uh, good luck uh, following this going forward. Yeah, it's going to be another busy, crazy day, guys. So uh, <laughs> I guess buckle up. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. All right, take care. Chris Solari covers Michigan State for the Detroit Free Press. Uh, he was talking about player safety. Steve Tate, uh, former safety for the University of Utah, played in the, uh, the uh, Urban Meyer era back in the day. He's been pretty outspoken about player safety and doubling up with spring and fall seasons. We'll talk with him about that coming up at 8.30. DJ and DJ? PK. Yeah. DJ? Yeah. Uh, while we're gone on the break, I want you to ponder one thing. Pondering. Fifth, I want you to ponder what happened when Fitty Scent got hungry. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. If nobody wants to be a grown-up and nobody wants to be in charge and nobody wants to handle things, then okay, let's pump the fall season and let's set a date and let's set a plan for spring and do it the right way, which should have been done in May for now. But it wasn't, and everybody just stood on the sidelines and said, well, maybe they'll make a decision. Maybe they'll make a decision. Maybe this thing will magically just go away. And we didn't come up with a plan to do this safely and get the players involved and get their opinions, and we screwed it up. These guys screwed this up. They had five months. All right, so fine. Take the next four months and get spring and do it right in the spring. If you're going to pull the plug on the fall, okay, then start today to put your plan together for spring. If you're going to do this, then do it the right way in spring. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. started moaning that kind of wrecked the mood it's a great song all right dj and pk swing networks home to complete business telecom and it solutions backed by an industry in sla that guarantees the uptime your business needs it's effective communications for 21st century utah get started now at swingernetworks.net all right pk that was a heavy segment and then you came back with 50 cent well, two things. That wasn't He's moaning. That's, what, that's what's known as grooving in the business. Oh, well, that changes everything. Uh, try it once. And then I ask you, what happened when 50 Cent got hungry? 
What? Any guesses? I'm going to groan. <laughs> That's your guess. You're yeah. going to groan. I thought that was funny, apparently. Dad jokes. 50 Cent, Reddit, what do you got? <laughs> when 50 Cent got hungry, uh-huh. you know what he did? What? 58. But a boom. Thanks for that, PK. So, now, go I ahead. could move on and tell you and ask you, did you hear about the, the uh, fly ball joke? No. But then I thought, nah, it's over your head. I'm so in love with you. <laughs> All right, we just had Chris Solari on. We're going to get to Steve Tate at eight thirty. We got some jazz stuff coming up. You got any takeaways from Chris Solari as he uh, as he uh, brought us up to date on everything going on in the Big Ten? Chris Solari, whoa, it's crazy times, man. You're factoring all these different things in there, and uh, once you factor so many things, it, it leads to unpredictability you got so many people pulling in different directions you know and now uh with the president involved in his tweeting it's becoming a, a more so a, fo- a political issue and so i want this guy out i want this guy in that's crazy uh health football is an unsafe game when you think about it man if you're looking for guarantees on health don't play the sport uh, you know, if, can you just play football? And then what about the Title Nine with all the other sports? So you put all these things in this hat now. You got so many people coming at you from different directions. Yeah, that is the and, truth. And what do you do? You know, you look at Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Twelve, Big Ten. Uh, he's a he's a Phoenix native. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah, his father was voted uh, one of the top fifty players at Arizona State University. Man, his father was a doctor. You talk about an accomplished family, Madonna Mia. These guys, this this Warren family, he's the commissioner of the Big Twelve. I keep calling it Big Twelve. It's because they don't have ten teams. It's, it's screwing me up. And the, the Big Twelve doesn't. They it's have ten the Big teams. Fourteen. It's crazy. I wish. It, why did they just do like the Pac Twelve did? It makes sense. And I, I never screw up the Pac Twelve. You know. But the other team, the other conferences, who's in there? And you got to remember the numbers and how many there are there. And the law of numbers said that it should be the Big 14, right? Yeah. So you got all these things going on. And uh, what's going to happen? What's in the best interest? It's clear that the players and the coaches want to play. At least the what? That's my impression of it from the folks who are speaking out. It seems like. And why wouldn't they want to play? This is what this is what they, well, they do. do. Right. You want to yeah. you want to do what you do. And I think that Harbaugh presents a really compelling case. And this goes beyond football to the rest of the country. You know, if you really don't want to have it, if you want to avoid it, there's stuff you can do. And even a big group of 18 to 23 year olds who don't automatically make the best decisions all the time. They can do it. You know, they oh, can yeah, pull it yeah, off, yeah, yeah. and they have pulled it off, and the numbers are right there. But to your point, there are so many people coming from so many different directions at the same time. You know, there's probably someone else sitting in the room, you know, a lawyer who's there to say, hey, think about this, saying, look at Louisville, where four soccer players, a spring sport, 
Oh, no, excuse me, it is a false sport. Uh, four soccer players throw a party and invite some of the women's soccer players and some of the volleyball players, and I think there was another sport involved. And uh, they end up kicking those players off the team, you know? And so, to, his, to, to Chris Solari's point, that all of these teams have to, you know, the fall sports probably have to move as a group. And so, it's awesome what Harbaugh <clears throat> is able to point out, but... Do you trust all the teams and all the sports across the whole conference? Because one party like that, like he says, one, one trip to a Michigan State bar and there's, there's 200 cases. And okay. so this is, uh, and it's like, it's the most negative thing going and it's, you know, 99 people do it right. <clears throat> In this case, it could be 999 people do it right, and then you get one party at Louisville. Now, that's an ACC school, but if that were to happen in one of the Big Ten schools, would they all be on the hook? And I think that that scares the just... I'm wondering why they can't just start it and try it, and then if they've got to stop. You know, like baseball. There's a bunch of naysayers there with the baseball. Oh, when when's this? It's, it's only a matter of time now. Oh, here we are two weeks later, and we're still going strong. And if, it, if you need to stop it, stop it. At least give us a little hope. And if you can play it, maybe start it. And then if you have to make adjustments, go in that direction. doesn't seem like for a couple of conferences that's the way it's going to go. Although I think we will see some form of college football this fall. Yes, I can see that. Uh but, you know, we were talking last week, do you think now that they've got this pared-down conference schedule that this will happen? And, this you know, and I was telling you it was playing? 20 Remember I was telling you it was 20%? No, it was yeah, 10%. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But that was on everybody playing the 10 games they'd scheduled now, you know? And I thought all along that some leagues might start and stop. You know, is there a league where teams are going to play four games? The thing that I hadn't factored in, and I don't know, you know, the whole collegiality thing, which some people love and it just totally grates on other people, but the whole collegiality thing, you know, if four schools in the Big in the Big Ten, because now you got me thinking about the numbers thing, <laughs> if four schools in the Big Ten want to go, can they basically just go as independents and just play? And then maybe to a certain degree it fulfills portions of the of the TV contract, right? You don't get all the games, but in the Pac-12, games are worth $5 million. There's more people back there, so games are probably worth more money. But, you know, whatever it is, can those four teams, can they play, or is that just going to blow the whole thing up and that's a no-go, it's got to be unanimous? And conversely, could four teams just set, sit out and say, we're not going, you 10, you know, the Big Ten will be 10 this year. Um, it seems to me like they probably could, but as soon as I thought that, I thought, that's probably me just sitting here wanting to watch football games. Would a conference really do that and say it's up to each school? Or kind of in the CYA mode, either we're all in or we're all out. Because otherwise, we're showing there's liability, and we don't want to do that. You think we could see just four of the 14 play? I suppose, man. I'm not ruling out anything yeah. yet. I mean, I don't know the percentages, but uh, yeah, at this point, sure. Yeah, go Kevin Garnett. Anything is possible. All right, DJ and PK, the Utah Jazz beaten yesterday, one game to go. The playoffs slowly kind of coming into focus, but not completely set yet. We'll get to that coming up and then more on college football with Steve Tate at 830. Stay with us.